So I just want to say thank you for accepting my invitation to come on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Well, thanks for the invite. No problem. So your first topic I want to talk about, um, talk about your life story from the beginning, from your childhood up to now. Wow, that's covering four decades, so. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I guess um, uh, I was born in Montreal, Canada, so that's the first city my parents immigrated to from the Philippines. So my sister and I, my older sister and I were born there, and shortly after I was born, we moved to the West Coast. My, par- my parents just found Montreal too cold. Um, you know, we're lucky to get jobs out here, out west, so I was pretty much raised in Vancouver, and, and this is where I still live, um, and my uh, younger sibling, my brother, was born here, so, um, yeah, I mean, from kindergarten up to, right up to grade 12, uh, we all attended a Catholic school, so, um, as is very common in Filipino families, you know, we grew up Catholic, um, I was a lot more of an academic than I would say my siblings uh, were. You know, they excelled more in athletics. I didn't. Um, so I was more the book nerd, um, and I was the only one out of my siblings to go to university. So I went to the University of British Columbia, um, majored in English literature and film studies. Um, around that time, I sort of fell out of the Catholic religion. So, um, yeah, I didn't really practice after that, although I would say I still very much consider myself a spiritual person. Um, And then after university, I uh, stumbled upon an internship at a local public relations firm here in Vancouver. It's not around anymore. Uh, It was very small, but um, I pretty much learned the ropes of of public relations, event planning, and I knew I didn't want to become an event planner for the rest of my life. it was just, yeah, I just found it very stressful. But what I really, um, I guess, uh, was, was interested in about the public relations practice was media relations. So the, the idea of sending a news release or, or an email to media, to local media, and then all of a sudden they show up at your client's event. Um, I mean, local celebrities help. Right. <laughs> um, that's always good. Um, and then the next day or the next few days, you see, you know, you see the party show up in the newspaper, you see it covered in TV, and I went, wow, that's fascinating. Just, 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 you know, from sending out a message, they come and they show up and they report on a story. So um, after I left that company, um, I, I just knew I was really interested in media relations. I took a couple courses to um, sort of supplement the experience that I had at that small company. And, and then I started my own business. So I was very much inspired by my sister. She had, uh, um, I would say, a career journey that went from an admin assistant to the partner of a small business. And I saw her being my own boss. And I went, you know, I can do that too, right? So I started my, my own little uh, publicity company in 2008. Um, and that eventually grew to a small team. Um, right, it was about 24. 2014-ish, I would say. I started bringing on interns onto the team. Um, And then I did a bit of a rebrand. So at first I was just, um, I was marketing myself under another name and I rebranded that company to Conscious Public Relations um, to hopefully attract more socially and environmentally responsible businesses because that's really where my personal values were and very, you know, very eco-friendly on my way to becoming vegan. That was sort of a goal since I saw Earthlings at the end of 2007. 
so we were running under that company and then I decided to close it in 2018 for various reasons. Um, and then, yeah, just sort of was finding myself. I didn't, I, I didn't think I wanted to stay in the marketing field um, after I had closed that company, but um, because of the clients that I had, I had been freelancing for, they kept asking me to write and I knew, you know, writing has been a skill that I've had for, for my entire life pretty much. Um, and then I, right around the time I closed that business, I became vegan. So um, looking at what was happening in the vegan industry, following vegan media, um, I sort of sat down to meditate at the end of 
So it's it's two things. It's sort of a marketing 101. Um, so if you you know you're you're new to starting a vegan business, you're new to marketing. You know you're doing it yourself. Maybe you don't have um, the opportunity to hire somebody yet. Um, this gives you pretty much all the possible tactics you can probably you can do <laughs> um, to form a marketing strategy for your business because that's really important. If you're not marketing, uh, nobody's going to know who you are and how to buy from you. So it's a, it's a practical manual. Um, and then the other part is the storytelling. So um, so I reached out to almost 300 vegan businesses to, to invite them to contribute their stories. Um, in the end, I got back 47, which is pretty good. Um, so it's got uh, the stories of about 47 uh, vegan businesses around the world. Um, and I felt there were a few gaps uh, in there where I would have liked um, companies to talk about a certain tactic, but you know, for whatever reason, they're just not using it. So, so I did have to pull from um, other businesses that I just found online um, to fill in those gaps. So, in total, um, there's around 80, uh, 80 companies mentioned. And so, so yeah, not only are you going to get to learn, you know, how you can market your business, but um, what other vegan businesses are actually doing. Um, you know, as of 2021 and 2022. That's awesome. That's awesome. And I'm sure your family supports everything that you do as well, which helps. Yes. I mean, uh, as I mentioned, compared to my first book, which I didn't promote all that much, this book, I, I definitely want to get out there um, with the vegan industry. And really anybody, you know, you don't have to be vegan to buy this book and, and read it. Um, anyone who's curious about the vegan industry and what companies are doing. Um, so yeah, I've been reaching out to podcasts like yours and uh, and uh, vegan media, and I'm trying to spread the word as much as possible, just so that um, as many vegan business owners or vegans who are curious about marketing can can pick up the book and learn. Well, I'm sure they appreciate all the knowledge that you have to offer. Yeah, I hope so. It's got a bit of my own story in there, too. So it's got a few nuggets from my, my previous business and public relations. And as I said, of course, the stories of, of you know, almost 50 businesses and what's working for them. So, um, so yeah, I think the readers are going to get a lot of value out of it. I couldn't agree more. So your next topic is how do authors self-publish books? Well, this is, yeah, this could be a whole topic for, <laughs> for a podcast, um, but, uh, but yeah, I'm glad you asked. Um, you know, it's, it's, there's so many tools out there now that make it quite easy for, for the average person to become an author, I think that's great, because everybody's got a story to tell, and um, so I think the first thing you want to do is just find out what, what kind of support you need, so if you're completely new, you might want to hire a book coach or... or um, there's some self-publishing agencies out there. Um, of course, you have to have a budget. Um, but yeah, that, that guidance can be really helpful. For my second book, I actually took a program that's put on by someone called The Vegan Publisher. Her name is Natalie. She's out of the UK. And even though I, had know, I knew how to um, self-publish a book, um, hers really helped me in terms of, of uh, how to... Just make yeah, just make my writing shine a bit more. Um, so I found her program very helpful. And yeah, so once you find out what support you need in terms of writing the book, um, then you go and you sit down, you, you write your manuscript. Or if you're not great, you know, great at typing, 
um, you can record yourself on audio and there's some great um, audio transcription tools out there that you can use to turn it into um, your manuscript. You will, of course, have to go in and fix all of the typos because uh, these recording apps are not uh, perfect. Of course um, not. But, uh, but that can certainly help because uh, down on the time is, yeah, like I said, you're not great at, at typing. Um, so, so, yeah, sort of the minimum word count for a book should be 30,000 words. Um, and you want to make sure that it, it, it's at least 100 pages because my first book was under 100 pages and that wasn't enough for a spine. So that's really important if, if you know, you want a book that sits on a shelf and you can read the spine. Um yeah, it should be over 100 words. So, so aim for at least 30,000 words. Um, and then from there, uh, after you've written your book, um, you may need an editor. So uh, you can, you know, use use a grammar tool um, to edit your book. But if you do, again, if you do have a budget, um, hiring a professional editor like myself um, will go a long way and just tighten up your writing, make sure that it's as clear as it can be. And then once that editing process is finished, um, there's the formatting. So formatting is just a, a fancy word for making your book look pretty. So that's both the interior of the print book, um, and then if you want to release an ebook, same thing. You have to uh, convert that into an ebook format. Um, you'll want to hire a cover designer unless you have graphic design skills yourself, because um, you have to uh, yeah, just have a nice cover for your book. And then from there, you'll have to choose which um, platform to release it on. So uh, there's Amazon, Amazon KDP, uh, that you can release it on. Um, another popular one is Ingram Spark, um, which I was going to go with, but I found out they don't use vegan ink. And that's really important to me. So <laughs> even though even though they're bugs and you know bugs aren't very popular, but uh, but yeah, I just I just didn't want to use uh, non-vegan ink uh, to print my book. So those are, are two of the more popular ones. There's others. Um, I'm going to be using Lulu uh, for my book, um, which has worked out quite nice so far uh, from the, the proof copies that I have seen. And these services will help distribute your book, um, both you know, to Amazon, Barnes and Noble, a few of the other popular online platforms. So if you um, don't want to go just with Amazon, you can choose one of these other platforms and they'll help to distribute your book uh, to other places online. And there you go. Well, it seems like you got it all covered, top to bottom. Well, uh, yeah, I try, and uh, <laughs> now that I've come to, I'm very close to the end of. Uh, I'll be releasing my ebook very soon. I'm going to release the ebook first, and then the print version and the audio version. Um, I'm going to be releasing November first, World Vegan Day. So those are coming a bit later. But um, one thing I forgot to mention is marketing your book. So. As great as it is to be on there, nobody's going to know to buy it unless you do things like I'm doing and, you know, talking to podcasters and, and uh, yeah, trying to, to spread the word as much as you can about your book. So that's also a very important point. Um, you can hire a marketing, you know, a marketing person or a publicist to help you as well um, if you've got the budget for that too. Definitely, definitely got to have the budget. That's very important. Otherwise, you won't be able to get your ideas off the ground. That's right, yeah. So so definitely have a budget uh, if you plan to self-publish a book. 
couldn't agree more. So your next topic, you were talking about earlier your journey becoming a vegan. Now, is there anything else you want to talk about along your journey becoming a vegan, like the trials and tribulations you had to go through? Well, that, that's a journey in itself, for sure. <laughs> um, so, so, like I said, it, it started with watching the documentary Earthlings at the end of 2007. So, um, I had not heard of the movie. Um, it, it had already been out for about two years. And, um, funny enough, I got invited to a rescreening of this documentary from my former boss at the public relations um, company I used to work for. So she invited me out to the screening. I had no idea what, what it was about. Um, but about 10 minutes into the movie, you know, they really start showing you how your food is made. And I saw, you know, these big, I don't know if they were football players or basketball players, but these big guys with university jackets walked out of the theater um, and, and they couldn't handle the footage. And I told myself, you know what, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to watch and learn. And what really um, impacted me at the end of that screening was when they had a Q&A and there was somebody from the Vancouver Humane Society answering questions and somebody asked her, what is one thing we can all do to help the situation with the animals? And she said, stop eating meat. And I was like, wow, like that, that's, that's big and that's a hard, daunting task for, you know, a Filipina who's grown up eating meat for, at the time, 25 years. So, um, but that really stuck with me. And so uh, I, I cut out meat out of my diet. Um, it took a, a few years to do that. And then I would say for a good number of years, I was still technically pescatarian, so eating um, some seafood on the weekend, eating some dairy. But I knew that being vegan was always the goal. And so in 2017, I, I had my last seafood meal and I went, that's it. And I was still eating some dairy. And uh, in and over those years, I'd actually had um, some, some digestive issues that have uh, that are still undiagnosed to this day by my health team. I've done every test under the sun, um, and I've just had to uh, do certain things to uh, see what works and see what minimizes the symptoms. And so I had a really bad bout of acid reflux in the middle of the night in 2018. That's one of the major symptoms. Um, and I went back to my naturopath and I went, you know, I really need help um, figuring this out. And she said, let's take a food sensitivity test. So I took that test in, um, yeah, in the spring of 2018 and uh, I found out I was sensitive to dairy. And so she said, all right, so take all these things, cleanse them out of your, your diet for four months and then start integrating them back into your diet to see if any of these foods uh, triggered my symptoms. But because I had done four months without dairy and being vegan was the, the ultimate goal for me, I went, you know, I can do it now because I've, I've done it for four months. So so I never went back and uh, yeah, so, so um, four, four years later, here I am. Nice, nice, nice. I know most people say when you become vegan, it's definitely not easy transitioning from eating meat to that. So that's definitely, definitely hard. Yeah, and most, you know, most people don't do it overnight. Some do. Some are able to go cold turkey. <laughs> but but I, w I wouldn't recommend it just because you, I think you need some time for your body to adjust as well. So, um, you know, when you're taking out meat, that's a huge protein, source of protein and, and other uh, nutrients. And so, yeah, you want to make sure that you're, you're supplementing 
those protein sources with plant sources. Um, and then it's also quite common to be um, deficient in iron, vitamin D, and vitamin B12 when you take meat out of your diet. And so you may need to supplement um, those, yeah, maybe one or a combination of those things. So for me, I, I take iron and, uh, and B12. Um, for others, it may be different. Um, but yeah, so, but it, it's definitely possible. Most, most folks do it like I did. They, they do it uh, over a number of years. Um, you know, take out what's what's easiest for you to eliminate, and and I would say, you know, if it's a beef burger you're eliminating, then go go out and get yourself a Beyond Burger or whatever it is just to to kind of replace that. And and uh, yeah, and over time you'll find your body just gets used to um, the plant sources, and and you really don't miss meat, uh, seafood, and dairy. Right. It's all about being disciplined. Yeah, yeah, and remembering kind of your values and why you do this, you know, why you're doing it in the first place. So for me, it started out with animals, but as I was going through my journey, um, you know, I watched a lot of documentaries, uh, What the Health and Cowspiracy were some of the two other big ones that really impacted me, and I learned not only is it better for your health, um, you can avoid some of these huge chronic diseases that you know, or, or that kill most of the population every year, um, and it's also better for the environment because animal agriculture has huge, huge impacts uh, on climate change, and, and that just isn't talked about all that much. Um, so yeah, so over the years, uh, I you know picked up these books and watched these documentaries and learned like, wow, you know, this has a huge impact. And so if you if you care about the environment, if you care about your health, or you're you know predisposed to a certain um, chronic disease that runs in your family, you may want to really think about shifting to a plant-based diet or, or going, uh, leaning uh, in that way as much as you can because it really has um, some big positive effects on, uh, on your health and the planet. And, and things like avoiding pandemics, that all started from, from animals. So <laughs> if you want to try and avoid the next pandemic, um, yeah, you know, Reducing your, your reliance on animals is a big way to do that. I couldn't agree more. Now, if we can get the rest of the plan to follow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's what I'm trying to do here. <laughs> that's right, that's right. You got an important message, and I feel like you need to get it out. <laughs> so, your next topic is, tell us about the social impact sustainable business community and what they aren't talking about. Yeah, thanks for asking that. So as I mentioned, uh, my previous business, uh, Conscious PR, um, I was very much in the later years focused on uh, helping to tell the stories of of socially and environmentally responsible businesses. So my company was a member of 1% for the Planet. Uh, We certified as a B Corporation twice. So I was really like in those, very much in those communities. Um, But what I found they weren't talking about was um, the impact of animal agriculture. And I only was able to reflect on that until I became vegan. And I looked back at the B Corporation assessment. So this assessment is something that every company would need to fill out if they're interested in being certified as a B Corporation. And there were there were only really two questions in that assessment that pertain to animals. And I found that, you know, really fascinating. Um, so, so a lot of these communities, as, as great as they are doing the work that they're doing, 
um, they haven't really touched on the impact of animals in their business. And so, um, you know, personal habits aside, if you want to make an impact, a positive impact with your business, you should really think about veganizing your business if you are relying on animals. Um, so shifting away from, from uh, the use of animals as food, or let's say you're a fashion company, you're selling leather or fur, or um, uh, what do you call it, like goose down for those puppy jackets, you know, really think about shifting to, to other alternatives. And I know people are going to come at me and say, well, you know, we don't want to turn to plastics because, you know, the alternative to animal leather is they can be plastic, um, but there are some really cool innovations coming out with uh, plant-based leathers, you know, made out of mushrooms and pineapples. So um, even though those options are maybe not mainstream yet, I know that they're coming. Um, so, you know, just something to think about if you're a fashion business. Um, and yeah, and whatever type of business you have, you know, maybe it's just honey that, that you're using, but think about the impact um, that, uh, you know, animals have in our world. And if you can rely on them less in your business, um, you're really making a big difference with your business. So, so that's the one thing I would say a lot of these impact uh, communities are not talking about. Do you feel like they're not talking about it because they want to keep it under the radar so people won't notice? You know, I, I'm not going to claim to know what's in the minds of <laughs> these company owners, but um, I really do feel it's just a lack of knowledge. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the it's a nonprofit that, uh, that does a certification for B Corporation, and so it's really up to them to modify their assessments so that maybe a company can earn more points towards certification if they are a vegan company and if they have reduced their impact um, on animals. And so, yeah, I honestly think uh, they, they might just not know about um, the impact of animal agriculture um, or other means of using animals. And if they do, um, then I would like to see some changes <laughs> made, made uh, you know, to assessments like that. So that they can, so that they can then educate the businesses who are, you know, for example, going after B Corporation, um, and and they see that oh, I can earn more more points if we have less animals involved in our business. Um, you know, that's how the ripple effect happens. But I think it's it's just right now it's probably just a big knowledge gap. You're probably you make a valid point. I mean, you can't talk about something you don't have the knowledge to back it up. So. Yeah, absolutely. So, your next topic, um, how has growing up as a Filipina in Canada impacted your business? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, I didn't really think about this, I would say, at all when I ran my first business. It's <laughs> um, so probably, probably the tail end. It was interesting. I had, um, I think, a master's of business, I can't remember, she was, she was a master's student at one of the local universities, and she was interviewing a bunch of women-owned business um, businesses, and she interviewed me and asked me if I have ever lost business because I was a woman, and I went, I don't know, you know, like, even if I wanted to find out, how would I measure that? I would have to call up every client who, every potential client who didn't want to work with me and ask them, like, hey, you know, was it because I was a woman or a woman of color? Um, but uh, I'm really glad in recent years um, 
yeah, just the, the conversation around um, people of color and the importance of uh, highlighting um, more people of color and, uh, and people of color who own businesses. Um, it's starting to become a, uh, more of a conversation in the business world because, um, let's say, if we try and access capital, you know, women earn... Uh, or statistically women earn a lot less capital than men do and then the statistics for women of color are even less and so um, yeah it's, it's not something that I thought about a lot in my first business but this business um, I'm really I would say it's not it, like it's not a part of my marketing but it's just something that I'm aware of um, especially with the marketing of my book I want to get it out there as much as possible so that people can see me as a Filipina and say oh like first of all um, there are some vegan <laughs> there are Filipinos who are vegan because um, yeah meat is, is still very prominent in the Filipino diet so that's one aspect and then I also just want to be yeah I just want to be a face for vegans um, because uh, the the, the term vegan was coined in, I believe, 1944 in the UK. And so just the vegan movement has for a long time been led by um, white Eurocentric people. And so with me being a vegan, I just want to put my face out there more and, and show people that, yeah, their vegans can look like me as well. So it's something that, uh, yeah, I've, I've thought a bit more about in this business. And I'm trying to, um, yeah, just, just be the... Uh, be, be a model, be, you know, be somebody that, that other uh, vegan, maybe vegan women of color can look to. I'm sure more and more will keep looking up to you as you continue to spread the message, not to just podcast your business around the world, so. Thank you, thank you. You're welcome, you're welcome. So, your next question is, what, would you, what advice would you give your younger self? Ooh, that's always a, yeah, a good one. I would say not to worry as much. That's, that's probably the biggest thing. Um, when I was younger, I, I worried a lot about the future. So when I, was high sco- when I was in high school, I worried about getting into university. When I was in university, I thought about what job am I going to get? <laughs> when I was in a job, I thought, oh, you know, what's the next job am I going to get? And then when I was running my own business, I thought, you know, how can I how can I um, uh, succeed in business? And so I was always worried about the future, and and I've turned out okay. I have to say, you know, I'm, I'm living a pretty sweet life, and and one that you know is, is really in alignment with my values, which was uh, which has always been really important to me. And so, um, yeah, I would just tell my younger self not to worry as much. Right. I think a lot of us try to look forward to the, the future instead of just living in the moment. Exactly, yeah. And, and that's not a necessarily a bad thing, but you just don't want it to affect your mental and emotional health so much that, yeah, that you then feel that you can't move forward because it's that, yeah, it's that moving forward that gets us all where we want to be. That's very true. I feel like you only get one life, so you just got to live and enjoy the moment. But it's like you said, it's nothing yeah. wrong with looking forward to the future, too, so... All right, let's see. So, my final question. So, if you decide to write a third book in the future, what do you feel like it would be about? I, I have started thinking about that. Uh, <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I mean, I the the authors that I would really love to work with, you know, I, either as an editor or formatter, um, is our memoir authors. I, that's that's really my favorite genre. Um, and so I thought about, you know, what if I wrote a memoir? And I just don't feel like I'm at the point in my life yet where I have that much to say to fill up a book. So I don't know if it's going to be a memoir. However, um, there were a lot of businesses that I reached out to for um, vegan marketing success stories that were still starting out. Um, or they were maybe a year in business and they're like, you know what, I don't really have a grasp of like what marketing tactics um, you know really work for us. We're still working through it, and so um, there's an opportunity that I could maybe put out a part two or a second edition of Vegan Marketing Success Stories that'll maybe be an updated version of you know marketing tactics people are using and, and have a few new uh, I don't know of a few maybe the whole thing will be new uh, in terms of new businesses. But uh, but I've thought of that as well. There's a there's definitely an opportunity to maybe update the book five or ten years down the road and make it uh, more current to the time. Well, I'm definitely looking forward to it. Um, I feel like it'll be out sooner than you think because life goes by so quick. We'll see, we'll see. <laughs> so, at this point in my pod, I always turn it over to my guests and you can ask me any question that you want. Ooh, um... Not gonna ask your life story because that will take too long. But um, <laughs> maybe what what brings you joy in the present moment right now? Oh man, at this current moment, that's a pretty easy one. My uh, my two kids. Definitely, Amazing. definitely. They're growing up so fast. My oldest will be 10 this year already, and my youngest will be seven next year. And they they already want to go get jobs and everything I'm like just slow down <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah enjoy your childhood it, it definitely goes by fast I try to tell them that often all the time definitely so besides everything that you told me what else brings you joy Uh, yes, it's actually my sister's birthday tomorrow, so I'm going to be hanging out with her and 
on their uh, board of directors. Um, yeah, for, for three years, and now I just get to, come, to go and enjoy the festival. So they have a closing party on Sunday, and uh, yeah, hope to check that out uh, in downtown and, and just enjoy the summer. It sounds like fun. It also sounds very relaxing as well, too. Not too senior strenuous, so. Absolutely, you gotta preserve your mental health. That's definitely important, especially in the times we live in now. So, before we end this podcast episode, is there any last message you would like to leave with the listeners? Anything new you have coming up in the future? And would you like to share your social media handles as well? So, yeah, you can find me uh, with my name, everywhere with my name, Sandra Nemoto. Um, that's my website as well. And then, um, as I mentioned, uh, the ebook for Vegan Marketing Success Stories uh, will be out September 1st. And the first place you can get that is lulu.com. And then same for the print, uh, the print book uh, that will be out November 1st along with the audiobook. Um, and the audiobook will be out uh, on Audible. Sounds awesome. I'm definitely looking forward to it. I know you sent me a link about your books. I'm looking forward to reading that as well. Great. Yes. Enjoy it. Uh, That's your gift for (laughs) having me on your podcast. So thanks so much. No, I definitely appreciate it. I always try to expand my mind. I like to soak as much knowledge on things I don't know much about as possible. So it definitely helps. So, I just want to say thank you for accepting my invitation to come on the podcast. Sandra, I really appreciate it, and I hope you have a good rest of your day ahead. Thanks, you as well. Take care. Bye-bye.